0: This is a podcast for the creative misfits, the radically rogue and authentic rule breakers who don't want to do work and life the way we've been told we have to. It's for anyone who has felt a sense of dissatisfaction with their career or with corporate BS. It's for anyone who has struggled or wanted to find greater purpose to experience more authenticity, creativity, freedom, and satisfaction in how they live and work. Let's build a new way of doing things. Welcome to episode two of the Creative Misfits Club. I'm Jessica. Today's episode is called, I can't see you, your corporate jargon is in the way. In other words, I wanna talk about the problems that many creative misfits have with corporate culture, why we can't or don't wanna fit in. I I don't know, I have a lot of problems. A lot of issues with corporate culture. Now, of course, there are exceptions to this. There are places that are getting it right or getting it better. To be honest, in a lot of places, there's a lot of Kool-Aid and a lot of dysfunction. So the first problem I have with the way we're working in a lot of corporate companies is this culture around team building and company retreats. Now, I will first say I am totally in support of spending time with the people that you work with, having fun and not just strictly all business and productivity. I think that's a great thing. I think fun and play is very important. However... There's this sort of flavor around a lot of team building that, to be honest, it's a little bit nauseating and it feels pretty fakey and it also feels like it's asking or demanding a lot of homogeny from people. So I'll give you an example of a company retreat that I once read about for a company who shall remain nameless, of course. I actually like this company, I like a lot of what they're doing, but they had this I suppose it was annual company retreat, which was kind of like sleepaway camp. It was like everybody went to this camp location and everybody bunked together in big communal bunk rooms and there were water sports and activities and all kinds of games. It was kind of like an extrovert's heaven. However, if you ask me, it sounds kind of hellish. I mean, this sounds like one person planned something around what they thought would be fun, but they didn't really take into account the differences in a lot of humans, including introverts. Because introverts don't wanna go to your company retreat and spend 14 hour days peopling and then go share a room with somebody else from finance and not have any alone time. If we consider the data, up to or around 50% of people actually are introverted. Of course, there's a spectrum of this, right? So let's review introversion, extroversion, right? It's not how much you like being around people or how adept you are at being around people. It's actually how you get your recharge or your energy. So introverts get their energy and their recharge from being alone, and extroverts get their energy and their recharge from being around people. But imagine if you crafted a company retreat that was like 14 hour days of very high peopling, high energy activities. And then you were bunking with your coworkers and there was no space or no flexibility for choice, no space to be alone. It's just like an introvert's nightmare. I'm sorry, it is. Not to mention, I can think of probably half a dozen other reasons why somebody might not do well with that sort of very extrovert-oriented, highly-scheduled company retreat schedule, not the least of which might be maybe somebody has some health issues, even kind of a hidden health problem that they manage pretty well normally on their own, but they can't manage it well in that kind of a setting. Or maybe somebody is a breastfeeding mother, or maybe someone can't or really doesn't want to be away from an aging relative or a young child Maybe someone's dealing with anxiety, and there's just a whole variety of reasons why that might not work well for some people. So I think we really need to sort of consider the fact that not everyone wants to go to sleepaway camp to bond with your coworkers and have a good time. This brings me to another point, which is the introvert-extrovert element in our work culture and in a lot of corporate culture, which, to be honest, is very, very built for extroverts. And the environment in most companies now, some of this has been disrupted since the pandemic because in-person work got significantly disrupted. But in general now, our company culture, our in-person work culture, to me, sort of resembles a modern monstrosity of misguided collaboration. It's like we dismantled the cubicle model in favor of an open office mosh pit of everyone working together side by side out in the open. And this doesn't work for everyone. In fact, maybe 50% of the population, this doesn't work well for. That kind of environment gives me anxiety. I'm very susceptible to noise, to the energy of the environment around me, to people around me. I absorb it all. And I don't do my best work in that environment. I do my best work in what I call the cave of introversion. (laughs) And if you saw me in any kind of social setting or peopling setting, you would never say, oh, wow, I think she's an introvert because I can be extremely outgoing. Much of that is a learned skill because I'm a very, very natural, pretty high introvert. But that doesn't have to do with shyness. I mean, I was extremely shy as a young person, as a teenager and a young adult, and I learned how to be more comfortable being myself in a lot of different environments so I can behave like an extrovert. But it can be really exhausting, right? Introverts really need that alone recharge time and often need the alone time to work their best. And so the overarching thing here, right, is why have we designed environments that, again, are homogeneously tailored instead of built with the assumption that people are very different and they work very differently and they thrive in different environments and with different schedules. As an introvert, when you are in this kind of high peopling environment for long periods of time, It's pretty draining. To me, it feels akin to like, if you haven't had anything to drink for a really long period of time, you just kind of feel like, oh my God, I am so thirsty. (laughs) And the thirsty for introverts is, we just need some time not around people. Okay, so another problem with corporate culture that I find pretty intolerable is this jargon thing that we have to do, which to be honest with you, a lot of the time, it feels like we are spinning a lot of words and saying nothing. If you can't say what you're doing in your job or in your company in a couple of sentences that are so simple that a bright 12 year old could understand them, I'm not actually certain you really know what you're doing. I think sometimes we're spinning a lot of wheels, we're efforting a lot, but we're not super clear what we're actually doing. So let's play a little game. My favorite thing is when companies talk about what they actually do and they do it in this incredibly convoluted, jargony way, such that it's almost like they're saying nothing. So the game is I went to LinkedIn and I just randomly pulled some job ads and I went to the part where the company tells what they do. No names, of course, here, but I'm gonna read some of them to you for shits and giggles. Okay, Company A is a world-class technology services business that incorporates industry insights and experience to deliver solutions that fulfill our clients' digital visions. I have no idea what they actually do. Company B, a consultancy dedicated to powering a future-ready, high-performing government, drawing from expertise in digital and analytic solutions, logistics, and management advisory services. We deliver integrated capabilities that incorporate emerging technologies and are tailored to customers' unique mission needs backed by objective research and data analysis. I'm sorry, what do you do again? Can you give it to me in a sentence like you're talking to a bright 12-year-old? I'm not sure they can. Company C, we provide data-driven, insight-led solutions in the areas of people, risk, and capital. Leveraging the global view and local expertise of our colleagues serving 140 countries and markets, we help you sharpen your strategy, enhance organizational resilience, motivate your workforce, and maximize performance. No clue what they actually do. Last one, this company is the gold standard in modern revenue orchestration and an essential element of the modern RevTech stack. Their platform simplifies and accelerates the coordination of all the plays, people, and processes needed to transform buyer signals into buying decisions. Revenue teams operate with precision and alignment, taking every change in stride and driving operational excellence that fuels compelling buyer experiences. I can't see you. Your corporate jargon is in the way. Okay, so let's talk about meetings. Oh, meetings. (laughs) I love meetings. No. Okay, so I have a theory that we are still living in a corporate culture where we think meetings equals productivity. Where if somebody's schedule is booked up back to back with meetings, they must be very important and they must be very busy and they must be very productive. However, I actually think meetings are a little bit like the bane of productivity, because if you think about it, if you're sitting around talking or listening about what you're doing, you're not actually doing what you're there to do. Now, I grant you, there are absolutely some things for which meetings are essential. Sometimes you actually really need to hammer something out with someone and that meeting is essential. However, I would argue that most of those things can be done in 30 minutes or less and a lot of meetings are probably not essential at all. I would also argue that when you're in a meeting, whatever it is that you're there to build or solve or make, you can't do it while you're sitting in a meeting. I'll give you an example from my teaching life. Like most teachers in most schools, we had professional development. Every so often we had hours scheduled professional development meetings, which again, in theory, I am completely in support of, particularly professional development around improving your teaching practices and getting to learn from other educators, stuff that you could actually really directly apply in your classroom to make things better. Fabulous. However, the problem in schools is often that you've got those teachers sitting in several hours of meetings For what I would say would be nice to have things when the must have things list is 10 things long and we don't have time to do those things. So it's like they've got you sitting in three hours of meetings, but the list of planning, grading, progress reports that you have to write for 100 kids, that list is sitting, waiting, and you don't have time to even do those things. And so they're pulling you out for these other things. And sometimes it just felt like, just give me time to do my job because I don't even have time to do that. Okay, so the last pet peeve I'm going to talk about here is what I'm going to call the hiring echo chamber or this sort of mirror effect where we are giving a lot of lip service to diversity and inclusion, but much like the modern healthcare system, it's looking at that like a symptom and slapping a band-aid on it where actually the true changes that would really shift culture around diversity and inclusion remain undealt with. And we end up hiring people who look like us, sound like us, think like us. And then you have this echo chamber where you actually don't have diversity of experience or thought. So I'll give you an example of a company I worked for many, many years ago, where all but one of the leadership team of the C-suite, they were all white males within a certain age bracket who had all gone to Duke or UNC Chapel Hill. Talk about hiring yourself. You don't have diversity of experience or diversity of thought There, even. I mean, we're not even talking about diversity of color, gender, age, etc. We don't even have diversity of thought. I mean, what this really is is indicative of a deeper problem where I think we care more about how things appear than how they actually are from the inside out. Like, there are a lot of companies who are very good at talking the talk, but don't walk the walk. And I honestly think this has to start. With leadership. If we're considering some of Brene Brown's work on leadership, she says leaders are able to see the potential in people and processes, and they're able to build positive culture. And I don't think we're really going to see significant change in that if we are jargoning our way around an echo chamber. I personally would wish for a culture where people are encouraged to bring their full, whole, and authentic selves to the table. And where there's a culture that's built that understands that homogeneity is not the way. Understanding that humans are very, very different, both in background and in terms of how they work and what gifts they bring to the table. Let's allow people the freedom and the dignity to not have to conform to one way of working, to one way of doing things. And let's get ruthlessly honestly clear about what are we bringing to the world? What are we offering? And let's not hide behind our fancy complex veil of corporate jargon anymore.